Our country is more divided than ever before, and not just between those who put pineapple on their pizza. There's members on both sides of the aisle uh, who are more interested in making noise than they are about governing. From the committee rooms to this floor, we commit to pursue the truth passionately. There's a mic right there, and that's a damn short walk. It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. We must all hang together, Benjamin Franklin said, or assuredly we will all hang separately. Previously on Dakota Town Hall. I guess we'll call this the first episode. This whole idea of we've heard her talk about consistently. And the biggest thing that I think is going to kind of go throughout the legislative session is the idea of tax cuts. I actually sat down with Senate Majority Leader Casey Crabtree. Our appropriations committee will really lead a lot of that budgeting work. What I'm saying is we've heard Senator Schoenbeck say this multiple times. The tax cuts are dead on arrival. That's insane to me. That Thank you. Okay. I was wondering, I just said we weren't going to be too editorialized, but I was like, Whoa. <laughs> This makes me miss Stace Nelson, and I don't know how he got to that point. Wow. It's not unprecedented for Republicans to vote against the majority nominee for Speaker. Happened two years ago with Spencer Gosh. There was two. What happened to the Ronald Reagan quote where it was like the person you agree with 80% of the time is an 80% friend and ally, not a 20% traitor. I agree with that, but you the know, 14 people you're rattling off would get Mein Kampf passed through a House committee. So, like, I don't know if they count. Welcome to Dakota Town Hall, South Dakota's weekly political podcast. Back at it here, week two, it's Dakota Town Hall. If you were uh, just hearing about this show, this is South Dakota's, well, we're just going to call it, boys, the best statewide South Dakota politics podcast that exists. And that's partially because we have the best guests He's in my phone. No one's going to get why this is funny. He's in my phone as THV. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to hopefully the first of many episodes he'll be joining us, Mr. Tony Van Heisen. Hello. Noah, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let the, I'm going to let the East River contingent fire off the first questions. What do you guys want to know from Tony on the second week of session? Yeah, Tony. Well, there's been, so we have a lot that's come through this week, mostly with bills and others but the big thing being um the appropriations committee all the money that we're seeing and you guys have had some of your initial briefings can you talk to us a little bit about what we're kind of seeing in terms of the health of the south dakota economy over the last year and what what we're kind of expecting to see in years to come uh yeah thank you yeah the uh as you mentioned i'm on appropriations and so that's where i've been spending the bulk of my time and we started out last week uh, with an overview on the whole budget from the budget office and then hearing from a lot of smaller agencies or agencies that don't have much change in their budgets, uh, probably eight or 10 of those, uh, then really got rolling this week with the Department of Social Services, <laughs> Department, of Human, Department of Human Services. Those two agencies alone account for a third of the state budget, uh, unified judicial system today. So uh, we hit the ground running. We've been, we've been meeting five, six hours a day, uh, getting a lot done. Uh, on the strength of the economy, South Dakota's economy is very strong, and that's reflected by our revenue growth, which six months into the year, we've grown by 12% on the sales tax. This is the, we're into the third year of this just unprecedented growth. Uh, the biggest question for us is really how much longer is this going to last and what will happen when it stops? So the governor's budget assumes revenue growth of uh, just over $300 million, 300 million sounds like a lot, but really 70 million of that is 
money that was left on the bottom line last year, so growth that's already occurred, 200 million of that is growth in the current year, three-fourths of which has already happened. And so they're really only projecting growth next year of one and a half percent after three years at 12 percent. And that gets us to the 300 million. So it's a big number, but it's actually pretty conservative when you look at how it's constructed. Do you think that's low? Well, if we keep growing at 12 percent, it will be. <laughs> but so, first, so, so first take that I you don't have to say whether you're for it or against it, but that food tax repeal does that seem reasonable to you? Are you going to entertain that idea? Well, I would put it this way: it's pretty clear looking at the revenue estimates and what we've seen already for revenue, frankly, that we can afford some kind of a significant tax cut, and that tax cut is in the you know hundred million dollar a year range. There's some pro competing property tax ideas that are also pretty sizable or just, you know, there's going to be a proposal to just cut the overall sales tax rate, which would also be pretty sizable. Pretty clear that we could digest one of those. The question then is, where does that leave us on, on the spending side where because of high inflation, we also see a lot of the recipients of state funding who have a, you know, have a pretty demonstrable need for more, uh, more funding as well. I know it's only week two, but so far that's the most clever way we're going to hear that answer all, all session, I think. Nice work. <laughs> well, thank you. But, you know, again, we had social services and human services the last two days. So that's all these Medicaid providers and that's nursing homes and places that take care of the disabled and and uh, you know, kids, agencies like that. And they're just struggling. Their workforce has gotten more expensive. The challenge they have, though, is we could give them a big increase and they could all increase what they pay by two or three bucks an hour, but there still aren't more people to hire. They, even if so, the direct support professionals in this state had the ability to give everyone a $21 an hour kind of minimum or whatever, right? You're, Tony's right. You wouldn't be able to hire five more people extra because they're just not there in most markets. That's how it seems. Is It's not really clear where those extra workers are going to come from. Do we? Do you have any idea? Have you heard any ideas on how to fix that? I mean, is it something like the? I mean, daycare funding has always been talked about, but I don't know if that solved issues. Yeah, doing more on childcare could help if that if the lack of childcare is keeping people out of the market. Of course, that costs money too. Uh, a little longer term is, you know, keeping more young people in the state for college or tech school to just build the base and and. Uh, I brought a bill to increase the value of the opportunity scholarship that is a small piece of the puzzle toward that goal. But again, that's a that's a longer term goal. I mean, every little bit helps. But, you know, we had dinner with the governor the other night and she made the point that we've been bringing more people into the state. And there are some people who like that and some people who don't. But she's proud of it and she feels like it's a necessity to get the workers we need. So let's talk about that relationship you have there with the governor. You, you know, former chief of staff. You were a yep. big second floor guy, second floor warrior, and now you're a third floor warrior. Um, yep. What's that like? That transition? What's the relationship like with the governor now and her staff? Tell us about it. Uh, you know, I'm having a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, of course, I have the knowledge base from having worked here for so long uh, and worked with the legislature. But I also come in with a lot of relationships just because I've worked with so many of these people before, and so that's uh, that's a real advantage. And I have. Uh, I haven't seen it as a real difficult transition, to be honest. In terms of working with the second floor, you know, we had the dinner with the governor. I've seen her maybe one other time. Haven't really had much interaction with her staff yet, just the nature of what I've been doing. I've mostly been in these hearings, so I've seen the budget staff. Uh, it's an advantage that I have a pretty good idea of how their processes work and 
how they're likely to view certain issues. But those are things that will probably become more important as we get further into session. So when it comes to uh, moving to maybe some more gossip of the end of the aisle, when it, <laughs> when it comes to a leadership fight, so what's more fun, yep. being in the being in the background on the second floor or kind of having to be out in the trench a little on the third? Oh, they're both a lot of fun. I mean, I've, I'm really enjoying this so far just because it's something new and a little different. But I, uh, I always enjoyed the legislative session when I was downstairs, too. It's always a lot of fun. Just a lot of activity and a lot of good people. So, so I'm curious that uh, opportunity scholarship put up twice now. What's the uh, percent increase for that? So the opportunity scholarship right now is sixty five hundred dollars over four years. My bill increases it to seventy five hundred over four years, so that's a fifteen percent increase, and that's commensurate with it was last increased eight years ago. And in the last eight years, tuition and fees have gone up about fifteen percent. So it's really an inflationary increase. Uh, and I and I think a good idea. It passed out yeah. of House Education unanimously yesterday. Smart housekeeping, basically. Yeah, I mean, sure. Tony, I want to stay on the topic of education, but I kind of want to take a shift. You know, for the folks back home, something you might not know about Tony is he also has spent a lot of time on the Board of Regents, which is the governing mm-hmm. body for the state university. And you know, a couple of days ago, we saw we saw the closing of presentation college in Aberdeen and I know one of the things that they were accredited for big time was um, a nurse was their nursing program so my question for you is knowing what you know about the school environment in Northern University you know for Mm -hmm. Aberdeen when it comes to that nursing program is that something that Northern potentially is saying we're going to fill the gap there are they looking at facilities or how how can Northern or do you think Northern would even look at trying to find some way to not let all of the resources and facilities at presentation after this summer, make sure they don't go to waste. Yeah, that's a very good question. And the, the closure of presentation was just announced yesterday, but if you've been reading the tea leaves for the last year or so, you, I mean, when I was on the regents, we all knew that that was coming. We didn't know exactly when, but you could tell it was coming. Uh, and, and, and they have talked about that very thing. There's a new building being built on the Northern State campus that was approved a year ago by the legislature to replace Lincoln Hall, which is kind of on the northwest corner of that campus. That's a 110-year-old building. Uh, and the new building is being built with federal funds, actually some of the COVID funds. We're waiting for the federal U.S. Treasury to approve the use of the money. But if once they approve it, that building will start. And one of the purposes of that building is to house nursing programs with the idea that one way or the other, maybe freestanding, maybe in partnership with South Dakota State or something, uh, the, the regents will try to pick up the slack there on nursing in that part of the state. Well, you, we know you've got to go uh, help run the state a little bit. Call in anytime. Let me know. I, I got one thing, though, and I got to – Okay. So I, I see you, Tony. So – Tony and Noah have been on Twitter bullying me for about, I don't know, about two weeks now. You're a Vikings fan. Get over it. Oh, I mean, oh that's unfortunate. And now not... Tony likes old Noah's stupid tweets about it. <laughs> it's not bullying. These are just facts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you have a choice. Be a Packer fan. Your life will be easier. I don't know what else to tell you. Oh, not, not that easier. How, Calm down. Put here? your guns in your yeah, holsters there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, House Rep Tony Van Heisen. Uh, thank they, you, guys. He'll be here often. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Certainly during <laughs> session and uh, a mover and a shaker uh, in peer happening right now. Thanks, Tony. Have a good one, buddy. You bet. This was fun. Take care, guys. Thank, thank you, Tony. Tony.
Welcome back. Thanks for rejoining us. It is week two of the newest South Dakota weekly political podcast. Everything's happening in session, and we have the experts here and the best guests uh, joining us to explain what's going on. Mr. Jake Show, I'm back in Noah Grable. I'm Murdoch from Home Slice on the West River side of the of the fence, I should say. And uh, let's start here, Noah. What's hot off the presses? Yeah, good to good to good to be back for another week. There's a lot. Um, like holy shit, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> we had a long. There was a there was a big weekend in Pier. Um, the first thing that came down was the GOP chair race. I mean, we spent a lot of time on this deal, and there was two things swirling. First thing we talked about it last week was the bylaw change that would have moved the attorney general secretary of state's race and the lieutenant governor's race out of a convention nomination and into the primary two things that came out of the gop um central committee meeting in pier first thing we have a new chair john wick um senator from big stone south dakota who in my opinion was the obvious choice for the job i don't think there's anyone there's anyone better in that pool of candidates him and along with representative mary fitzgerald they're going to do a great job like I said, though, with that with that bylaw change, that failed. So there has not been a change. These are still in the convention. And I checked an hour ago, the bill in the legislator, prime sponsored by um, Senator Lee Schoenbeck from Watertown, that bill still exists. It has not been withdrawn. So as far as we know, it all signs point that they still plan on hearing this bill. If they withdraw it, that's a different story. But those are those are the big ones around kind of the whole GOP thing we've been talking about so far. And this is going to be a constantly evolving story. You know, there is a lot there's a lot of people that are saying that the state party, including their new chair, is going to oppose this. Um, and that's something that the state party does not want. But it's something that I still believe that a lot of the House and Senate wants as well. So. so- I think it's going to be another thing. It's just going to be one Jake, of those. So, Jake, let me ask this: what what's what's the path for this to exist still in the House? So, there's a Senate bill so, floating out there. Maybe it happens. Maybe not. What what about the House side? Well, I want I want to start first saying I'm not surprised it died at such a committee. That's not surprising to me. I mean, you're basically gutting all those people's votes at convention. So, of course, they didn't vote in favor of that. Can't say I'm shocked. Okay. Um, when it comes to the bill SB40. Um, obviously, Senate, I think, have no problem going through. I think it'll be pretty easy in the House, too. Maybe not easy. Easy is the wrong word. Easy is the wrong word. I think it'll get through the House. Just looking at leadership, they're most likely in favor of it. Um, I don't know what Democrats do. There's, what, 11 of them in the House? I have heard the Democrats do not support this. Well, of course they don't. I mean, because they, Cause they got to go get petition signatures and, you know... It, Oh my, until it's I not, didn't even, I feel silly, but I didn't even think of that until oh, the second, like, right. That's, that's going to make it that much harder to like get a democratic right. candidate. That's not that's altogether was, as good yeah. as the state thinks it is. I know this state is Republican as I'll get out, but like, you know, it, 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 it's not the absolute worst thing to make it, you know, easier for them to at least get candidates. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the other part of it is, you know, they, the Democrats in South Dakota just objectively, they don't put up the numbers. And I think it was a big reason that we saw, you know, 
Christy Noem had a historic win. You know, gov- the governor, she did great in the fall election. And it was funny to watch because you kind of watch Jamie Smith's campaign messages, right? And they were kind of these underhanded, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of pokes. Like, they're talking about, they're, they kept talking about things like, oh, well, you know, the governor in the state plane. You know, in my opinion, if I'm an average South Dakotan and I see things like price of gas is going up, you know, things like that, real issues, you know, seeing seeing the like seeing these ads like, oh, let's focus on South Dakota or keep talking about this whole deal with the state plane, which was dropped. I mean. You know, if I'm an average, well, I mean, devil's advocate. Listen. What else are they gonna? They gotta run something. They can't run well, high right. five ads. I actually thought I liked some of his ads. Yeah, actually. I did I mean, too. I thought his ads were pretty good. I really, I, yeah, like I, I, I'm gonna dig in a little here. I thought his, I mean, not all of them, and like them. he gave, he the, kept the giving one. himself miles of rope to hang himself the, with. The horse one with like she's like galloping off, like that was funny. Like, That's that, pretty I, good. It wasn't bad. For those I who think, don't know, it was an ad where it was her riding off on a horse and guys at a bar saying, where's she going to now? And they went to the plane stop and that it was clever. Well, well, I think it was clever, but I just think, I just think when it came to these kind of just, you know, kind of these funny bits when it, when voters got to the ballot box, in my opinion, you know, they're sitting there and like, you know, my, my cost of living has gone up 9%, you know, focus on South Dakota. Great. But like, I'm voting for the governor that I'm, I'm voting for the conservative choice that's going to push back on some of this stuff. But when I mean, I don't tr- think I don't even... they got that deep at all. I just think she could beat Trump in this state and everybody just voted yeah. went, well, I'm on the winning tide. This, and then everybody who voted for Jamie went, oh, you know, protest vote. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's either that or the uh, libertarian, right? And I mean, she, she could have murdered a baby yeah. seal and on downtown Phillips and she still would have won like live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just think with it's just it's hard to see when it comes to the democrats getting petition signatures i think they could i just don't think they have the resources to do it because they even with some of these new districts in sioux falls that you know had a higher number of democrats these guys still can't win elections so yeah their bank account looks like my college bank yeah. account too it's just not that helpful <laughs> you just need some cash in that thing you know and honestly if you're a democrat if i say i for example, if I was the Demo- the the uh, the executive director of the Democratic Party, I don't think I'd ever get that job. But if if you it ever came hair. down to if shut up, my dog. Um, if if it ever came down to it, I think like why if I'm the Democratic Party in South Dakota, the last thing I'm focusing on is statewide races, anyways. Right. Yeah. Right. They yeah. Need to, it's, I mean, you got to build a count, county level legislature and start winning seats. Yeah. Because and I, I think you're that, throwing 300 grand a race. The, but you just I mean, the legislature, you just got to go for those first, in my opinion. They also oh, need no to do they need to do what the Republicans need to do. Quit trying to just throw every don't you don't it's you don't you can't win with just a butt in a seat. It's not just a warm body in districts that favor you, but are split that are a little more purple. Thirty two. Uh, on a Republican primary side, 35, right, 14, I think 14. They ha- they're real opportunities to don't jam two candidates in on the House side, just run one good one and let her buck a little. You could you could have gained movement one way or the other. That's that's the Democrats' path, you know, now. That's what they got to focus on 
like next race immediately. To uh to get back to the house vote though, I think when you, I, I imagine Gnome's in favor of this. She doesn't want a mess in the uh, in the convention. She wants to be straightforward. She wants the governor to be picked by the governor. Again, I know she's not running again, but I hope she cares enough to help help this pass. And if she supports it, I imagine the house will pass it. That's kind of the way I think it goes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, there's one side to that, and well, the other is, you know, is they came fun? out. I don't know. You know, we have a new executive director. Of yeah, the John. South Dakota Republican oh, John. Party. Oh, Wix got 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 a lot easier this week. <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's got. There's a new executive director. So Taryn Laceo, Laceo, Laceo. He was there, I guess, up until, I don't know all the circumstances around it, but until the day, and Madison Sheehan, I think I'm sa- I'm 99% sure I'm saying that right. Um, Sorry, she is Madison. now the new We're director of the executive party. Um, in 2020, she was the state director for the Trump campaign in Ohio, I believe. And um, and then she was on Gnome staff, most officially in campaign. Jake and I got to know Madison um, at a fundraiser in – I think it would have been for it would have been Tony Van Heisen's fundraiser yeah. back, but I got nothing but good things to say about her. I mean, you're right. John Wick's life just got a lot easier because you know she's a great, she's a great person. I mean, she'll kick ass for him. So she's it'll cool. be great. I, yeah, I, I describe her. She's cool. I, I don't know a ton about her or how she operates. I have enjoyed talking to her. Good person. Nice chess move against the Senate. You know, that's funny. I think it's been a lot of chess moves happening from Gnome in the Senate. I think I want to kind of pivot now. Show us some I want pieces, to go Jake. To, what? Show us some pieces. Show us some chess pieces. Come I, I want to go to the food tax bill. Um, Gnome officially oh, announced the food tax bill this week. And I think it's important to look at who the prime sponsors are in the House and the Senate on that bill. It is, as we just talked about them just a little bit ago, uh, Wick and Fitzgerald. Now, I think that's important because she wants to frame this issue as a Republican Party issue. Trying to so steal it from any. It, yeah, 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 okay. Anybody opposed to it is unrepublican. Makes it easier for anybody running for election next year is out voting at something that's quote unquote unrepublican. It's, it's some good posturing, I'm not going to lie. I get, um, I get. When you say it, I guess my first reaction is, well, at least it's a policy issue and not some dumb red meat rhino issue. I mean, yeah, it's not. Uh, we can get to this in a little bit. The uh, well, the transgender stuff, right? Like you can't avoid this nonsense. Keeps popping up, um, but I, I really think it's interesting how she's framing it, and it will lead to. I'm looking forward to talking about it in the next few weeks. Um, it's going to be a fight over this food tax, and she's framing it in that way. She can fight against a Republican. So who comes out? Is it Wick? And, you know, you're going to roll this out and fight in committee a little, probably starting next week, right, and probably maybe do a little media on it. So who are going to be the – who is your guesses on the mouthpieces to push this thing home? Good question. I mean, obviously obviously Wick on the, on the pro-food tax side is going to be pushing it in the Senate. Um, I did not see if it was filed as a House or Senate bill. Did anybody see what it was filed at? It's a House bill. The House bill. That's also smart. Um, and because... it's not going to House taxation. It's going to House state affairs. Really? What I, I believe it's going to House state affairs. I can pull it up and look. That's interesting as well. Um, 
I'm curious who's the chair of House. Yeah, House I'd like affairs. to know who's chair. Yeah. House State Affairs would be Representative Will Mortensen. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that that the problem with Noma is she can't decide where it goes, which committee it goes to, and that's going to be tougher for her. But the House is an easier sell in the bill as the Senate will be. Um, so that makes sense to start it in the House. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now. I mean, I just want to make sure that. Oh, sorry. House Bill 1075. Oh, shit. No, I was wrong. We got to redo that part. Um, It is. Um, It did go to House taxation. I thought it went to House state affairs. So just so, pick it up again. Like I'm looking right now. It's in. it's in House taxation. We'll go from there. Yep. Yeah. So I just looked. I just actually looked and the bill is. So it's in House taxation Um, and in House tax. I'm looking right now in House taxation as a chair, you have. You have um, Kirk Chafee as the chair, and you have Representative Jess Olson from Rapid City as the vice chair. So I think I would say that chair and vice chair are generally, say that's a gnome-friendly crowd. Um, you look at the rest of the committee is... Um, I mean, they're all gnome-friendly crowds. Well, no, the rest of, so, so the rest of the committee is Representative Aaron Aylward, DeGroote, Greg Jamison, Phil Jensen, Kurt Massey, Liz May, Carl Perry, Sue Peterson, Neil Pino, um, Perry Poirier, Randolph, um, Tony Randolph, Olson, Yan Chafee. So wow. uh, that's a mix. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an odd Christmas party. <laughs> that's a very odd Christmas party. And my first reaction is that seems good for no. That's my first reaction. That crowd, I think, I I agree. I think, I think a lot of people on that committee are generally would be in favor of this. Um, ones that, ones that I think would be question marks. Um, I don't know, I don't know where um, Representative Greg Jamison would be on this. Um, because I I've never heard him say anything about it. He he came out and he was supporting Medicaid expansion um, back in the fall. So I don't know if, I don't know okay. where that kind of folds him let into. Me, let me ask it this way. Jake, let's say you win last time and you didn't go down by 80 votes. Sorry, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> so like, do you, you sit back, right? Like, why on earth would you take a position on this? Yeah, I would hide. I would hide in the weeds and grass until I had to actually say one way or the other. Well, when you get to our uh, Tony interview, Tony Van Heisen interview, um, you're going to hear. I kind of asked him, like, where do you kind of land on this? And he gave us a very good answer on it. And the answer is, we got to figure it out. Personally, artful, artful I dodge. I, I artful go, dodge. I have to go home and I have to deal with my my dad at the dinner table uh, over Thanksgiving if I voted in favor of it. I'm kidding. Um, I think I think it's the same thing that it's the same deal with Casey. When Tony says he's looking at it and he hasn't taken a stance, he means it. I mean, no, quit this, it. This is the second time in two weeks that you guys have pulled this shit where you can't wait for committee reports. Stop being five years old and calm down. I get it. Here's that, I, no, 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 no. Hold on a second, because you're acting like most of these people just haven't seen each other every other seven days. At a happy hour or a business mixer or some other economic development thing. Let me let me tell you what's happening at the Red Rosa right now. Yes, exactly. This shit was figured out at La Minestra in 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 December. And they're they're going, why do I ever want this tax cut? They're all saying that. 
They're all saying, why do we want to lose $120 million? That makes absolutely no sense in the way our economy is going. We're going towards a downturn. But Noam can, like, she could run for emperor of this state. And so, you know, they everyone's got to be a little cool. It's going to be, there. I think there is, I think there at some point is a tax cut that comes out of this session. The food one, like, realistically, you know, I spent some time in appropriations last, in the last year. Um, I had interned for the legislature previously. And, like, sometimes I think there is proposals in that budget that, like, seriously come, you know what I mean? They come down to the last line, right? Like, once everything falls into place, the decision is going to get made. But I think here's the other interesting part, though. Think about this. What I want to see, I think if they're serious about this proposal, about cutting the sales tax cut on food, they'll refer it to joint appropriations. No shot. No I way. think I think if they're serious about it, it goes to joint appropriations. That's, how, not I, that's, how, about that's it, how I know Jake and I are right, because that's not what's going to happen. It gets to the floor <laughs> and it goes to the Senate. It, <laughs> Let me tell you something, though. I get what is the sensible thing to do. It should be in joint appropriations because it's a big tax cut. But the thing is, no one cares about this as a national thing. She can stay right. This is, this, is, this is her 32 draw, man. She's going to run this every time she's like, you're too conservative and you don't care about the people. She's going to go, I help people get groceries. I, I paid taxes. for their chips and Velveeta. I cut taxes. This is, come on, man. This is Goldwater's playbook. It's sneaky. <laughs> All right, let's get off. Let's get off of the grocery stuff. I will allow us no more than six minutes of transgendered nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. Uh, let's, let's, go. let's go into that. We had uh, we had the uh, bill to oppose sex changes, and I think there'll be something else in that bill. Um, the exact wording, Noah might have it on him. Noah, do you got that bill wording? Nope. House Bill 1080. Um filed by Representative Bethany Soy, I believe, in response to um, this, it was called the uh, Midwest Gender Identity Summit, which was an optional, optional educational opportunity provided by Sanford for how to, as they stated, how to um, help practitioners and doctors um, deal deal with um, patients that are transgender in terms of um, treatment, general best, best practices, et cetera. Um, from what, everything from what I understand, it was it was an optional opportunity. There was no Sanford employee that was mandated to go to it. But in, the re, in response, there was, you know, there was generally an idea, a good amount of people that some legislators were upset by it and they're filing bills, it looks like, in response. But yeah, that's... That's really. Here's my hope. My hope is a little like maybe last session or the session before, where you know this is stuff that gets you know a couple people get bitchy at Cracker Barrels, but most of this dies in committee because of you know the obvious litigation any movement one way or the other is going to make. No, I. That's what I gotta imagine will happen. Um, no, 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 ability to turn this into a thing spooks me a little. If I'm being, a, does, a, being a loud, moderate Republican, it's an easy issue to be super opposed against. I mean, as a Republican, at least it's a very easy issue to be opposed against at the same time. I, I, I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. 
I, I don't know if the wins a lot of votes, man. It's a it's a it's gross, but like it's an easy it's the layup of 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 I, her national path. I I'm opposed to the to the uh, to children being given drugs that change their uh, surgery that change their gender at that age. That is that is I'm opposed to that. Same time, I do not know if this is where we need to be on this. I I, I just don't know how this works out for us. Yeah, I think, I mean. I, I would say that, yeah, I would be, you know, I don't think anyone likes the idea of like kids that are extremely young, you know, having to go through something like that. But the other thing I'm opposed to is I'm opposed to bad government. And I think, I think when it comes down, when it comes down to what good government is, you know, on a widespread basis, like I said, in my opinion, this was an op, you know, this was an optional conference. If you don't like it, you know, don't go. It's it's the same thing as like a gun show, you know what I mean, being held at the Denny Sanford or, you know, at the arena or any of an event center, right? It's an optional opportunity. If you don't want to be present, don't go. And well, I think also look at too, this is very similar to that whole deal with the drag show at SCSU and the yeah. Family Heritage Alliance getting in a spat with Gnome. Yeah, they're, they're like they're like yelling at her, and it's like, okay, you can't. It, it's a freedom of speech thing at that point, too. I mean, they have the right to do a drag right, show. They do. Also, they I, do. I those mean, two groups that like, they just want to yell at each other. Fine, go do that over there as well. Yeah, I I think it's just I think the whole thing with that is the way I see it. It was an optional opportunity. If you don't like it, don't go. I can't speak for you guys, but I mean. I've seen our hospitals in South Dakota and I've seen the amount of not only economic development, but the amount of innovation, the amount of innovation they bring to healthcare in South Dakota. And like out of all the good practice that these guys, that these guys have brought to South Dakota in terms of healthcare opportunity, I mean, an optional conference, like, yeah, if you don't like it, don't go. You know what I mean? But we don't need to burn the house down because there was an optional conference that you didn't like. Dow, did you hear that? That was Noah Goebbels' uh, audition to be a lobbyist for you. No, um, it was good, it's, though. It's good. good. Nice <laughs> elevator pitch. It was nice and easy. About the time the elevator <laughs> opens up, it's good to see you, house cut, rep. Cut, cut, cut. next big lobbyist. Okay, there's the end of our transgender nonsense. Let's go to Jake. Jake, you talk to Joe Sneavy. All right, I am here with uh, one half of the Dakota Scout newspaper slash media website, Joe Sneavy. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Congratulations on your new podcast, too, by the way. Thank you, Joe. I, I, I do think your endeavor has been part of the inspiration of us kind of doing it as well, um, with you guys kind of starting up an independent sort of news source. Yeah, it's uh, the podcast, you know, we have one, too, but it's... Uh... They're fun to do. Some people prefer to listen versus read or even watch, you know. So sure. it's a, a growing medium or, you know, people want to consume. So uh, and I think you guys will be good at it because you guys have inside information or connections that people find insightful. I don't know so. what you mean by that. You know, I don't really have any inside connections that I know of, but um, no, no, none. None at all. <laughs> So tell me about, so this uh, Dakota Scout started up, what, September of last year? 
Yeah, September 1 was our first, um, well, we turned everything on. You know, the first print paper came out that day. Um, we officially started publishing stories on our website, like August 31st, just so when we started promoting it on social media, there would be content for people. But so like September 1 was our official launch date. And we are 21 weeks since then. And I know that because every week the new paper comes out, it has a volume number. And we've skipped a week over Christmas. And we're going to skip another one over, we can skip two weeks a year. And we're going to take a break over July 4th too. Like the two most, our two <laughs> favorite holidays, right? Christmas and Independence Day. So, Well, I think that's more copies than the Argus Leader anyway. So I think you're doing good. Yeah, just about, it feels like. I don't want to talk too much shade about the old paper. No, of course not. But, I mean, it'll always have a place in our heart. But, you know, for people that don't know, the Dakota Scout, you know, Jonathan Ellis and I left the Argus Leader after it combined 29 years there and uh, started the Dakota Scout. So it's going pretty well so far, I would say. So whose idea was it first to do it? I mean, you're at the Argus Leader, the two of you. Who pitched the idea to the other? Uh, well, it came about, you know, organically. I, I don't think, I mean, we both were commiserating a lot over the phone during the pandemic about the pandemic and how our industry was reacting to it and sort of just the downfall of the industry or legacy media, and, uh, some of the social justice stuff and these new standards coming down from like the AP. We're starting to like get in the way of um, just like telling the truth, you know, like sure. it's like sugarcoating around things, just write the facts um, instead of like kind of softening things up for people. Uh, and at one point, I think I was the one who was like, well, we're complaining about this all the time. Are we just going to complain forever or should we <laughs> do something? And then we kind of started toying with the idea of starting a newspaper or doing our own thing. And it's kind of evolved from there. It was all in our heads, though. We weren't writing anything down because we obviously worked for a different media company and we wanted to be ethical about it all. And then when the Argus leader decided to stop printing the paper, I mean, they printed in Des Moines now. They, they, right. dismantled their, yep. they dismantled their press. They brought in blowtorches and cut it all up. And it was a very sad thing to watch. That's so and sad. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was unbelievable. And you could hear these guys while we were working in the newsroom you could just hear them like ripping this thing apart it took them like two weeks you could there was a fire down there one time <laughs> they were doing it um, and it was real sad and the Argus fired all these press guys and we set a plan to quit the paper on July 29th so that was it was December that they shut the press down you know as we got closer to summer we said okay July 29th is going to be when we quit the paper September 1st was our target to launch a new paper. Like I said, it was all in our head. So when we quit July 29th, we signed a lease to move into an office the next day. And then I literally, we both worked nonstop. There was no break, you know. Uh, you, we It was a dead sprint to September 1st. And I slept at that office probably 25 out of 30 nights. We worked all day. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was all building a business it was not journalism we're not business people so uh, I, I do i was wondering too is the name is it from your daughter dakota scout is that the idea behind it or how did you get scout yeah well we were playing around with ideas for a name and we had some like more traditional names like the 
Dakota career. Sure. Uh, and then we thought, well, should we sort of lean into our independence uh, and do something like the Dakota Freeman or something <laughs> like that? And then my daughter's name is Scout. I thought and that word can mean a lot of things or be used in a lot of ways. And so I, I like it because it's my daughter's name, but Scout also means to observe in silence. I mean, that's like the literal definition of it. And that's sort of what media, they don't just observe. They tell you what to think about sure. it, not just what to think. You know, we sort of want to just tell the news and put the facts out and drive well, the narrative let's, on anything. Let's go and, there. Let's go there. So you're, you know, you're in peer right now. Uh, are you, yeah, you're in peer right now. Um, what's it feel like there? What's the atmosphere like with, you know, new house leadership, uh, new Senate leadership and the governor? What's it feel like there? It's, well, it's, uh, I think we're still like in our honeymoon phase here because you've got like half the house is brand new mm -hmm. and we haven't really started getting into any of like the controversial legislation yet either. There hasn't been any rift between, you know, bills that clear the, the Senate or House with ease and then they hit a buzzsaw in the other chamber. Like none of that has happened yet. So it's kind of kumbaya right now. The sort of whatever you want to label the two factions of the GOP. Right. Well, to go off your, I listened to your podcast last week. Let's do it every week, actually. It's great. Uh, the Scouting Report. Is that correct name? Yeah. Yep. yep. Scouting Report. Um, I, the John Schaff article, a great article. I mentioned it in last week's podcast. Um, performers versus uh, institution institutionalists. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a fair set, like description. Like, none of this is cut and dry. Like we no. on our podcast. It's, it depends on the issue. You get people straying from those camps or whatever. But there's the usual suspects are still sort of drumming up drama a little bit. Um, I can tell you, this isn't anything we reported, but uh, you might have heard of this. Apparently, rounds Senator Mike Brown spoke to the House Republican Caucus um, a couple days ago. It got pretty wild in there, from what I've been told. Really? Uh, it seemed like it was kind of an un unprofessional discord happening in there between a U.S. senator and uh, a group of uh, state lawmakers. And you expect people to maybe act a little more diplomatic around public officials, especially if they are also public officials. <laughs> Man, are you that new? You're not that new to peer. Come on, Joe. Yeah, well. Okay, so uh, so far, what are your top three stories you've written? Your favorites, personally. This is going to be kind of a boring answer, but the story I'm glad I was able to write more than any other so far was about property tax relief programs. This is like such dry subject matter. Oh, it's so boring. Oh, my gosh. But last <laughs> year and the year before, there was so much drama happening, like the backbiting and sniping between the chambers and the governor's office that there was no time to even touch a story like property tax relief so i actually had some time to do a story like that this week because you know it's kind of a slow week as far as you know there's not a lot of battles going on yet and uh, it was a slow afternoon for bills so there's that one uh, medical marijuana qualifying conditions are expanding um, into this bill that cleared the senate today i'm interested to watch how the house reacts to that was there an article there or did you just tweet about that i didn't see which one i was uh, I I wrote about it when I cleared committee. It right. passed floor today, heads to the House now. That They're much more, there's a lot more anti-cannabis people over there. So I don't know if it'll pass over there, but we're watching that. 
Um, the other piece I was thinking about that really hit was how Gnome announced the food tax cut and who she had sponsored. And we talked about this in the podcast a little bit, but it being John Wick and Mary Fitzgerald is no small thing. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I think that's pretty well thought out because now she can say, this is what the Republican Party wants. Exactly. Um, and try to say that folks who aren't in support of it are out of step with the party. Um, you know, she's really, I question whether she would actually follow through with that when she called for it back in September. I See, I kind of think it's going to be one of her, you know, national platform things that she cut taxes and she saved money for the working person during Joe Biden's inflation. That kind of seems yeah. like a play on her part. Yeah, but if it doesn't pass, she can still say she tried, you know. True. But it doesn't necessarily look good if you can't work with a conservative legislature. I mean, she's she's pushing for it. I don't think her efforts behind the scenes are perfunctory or, you know, sort of half-hearted either. No. I wondered about that, but they're, they're angling for it. But I don't think a food tax cut, I don't think it'll get through the Senate. That would, not that I have any information to the otherwise, but I would agree with that take just from what I've heard so far. It would take I, a lot of work on John Wick's part to get that through. Yeah, they'll, um, I think they just put out a new, well, your dad mentioned it when he was on our podcast, but it's LRC Fiscal No, that shows if you take federal stimulus money out of the economy, we're not, like we're down uh, revenues. Mm -hmm. I think that's starting to circulate in the legislature too, because I've had a couple people bring it up to me in the last couple of days. So now I do think there is an appetite for some tax cut and that might be a compromise people can get behind, but I don't think a total cut happens on food. Well, all right, Joe, I better let you get back to it, writing articles and keeping the news of South Dakota on the forefront of everyone's minds. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. You can catch Joe on the scouting report podcast every Friday. Yeah, every Friday evening we put it out, and then you can follow the Dakota Scout on Twitter at the Dakota Scout, you know, the Dakota Scout.com. So. All right, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Talk to you later. Next week on Dakota Town Hall. Next week we're going to have continued conversations probably about tax cuts. Seems like we're talking about tax cuts a lot. Um, but we are going to have a couple good guests on. We're going to have will mortensen house majority leader and we're also gonna have taylor rayfeld um assistant house majority leader we were gonna try to have her the first week about um, time she shows up yeah about time yeah no she she ghosted us she ghosted us on the first week so it'll be nice to get her in here but jake what do you want next week uh i we gotta address housing we gotta talk about it the the housing development's gonna be a huge issue um, it went through the Senate, and it's going to be a big thing for South Dakota. So we got to talk about that next week. All right, and that's all for this week. We'll see you next week on the Dakota Hall of South Dakota's number one and fastest growing podcast on politics in the state. We'll catch you next week. Dakota Town Hall, South Dakota's weekly podcast. Episodes available every Friday. For more information or to request availability, please go to dakotatownhall.com. Dakota Town Hall is presented in partnership with Home Slice Audio, produced by Leslie Klein. Music and audio production by Oakley Tye. Research by Home Slice Audio and Dakota Town Hall. Graphics by Timmy Grablander. Social media content by Scout Wheeler. And website design by Trey Wynn. Editorial advisor and executive producer, Brad Murdoch Jurgensen. Special thanks to all of our weekly 
guests. While we try to be accurate with all of our information, this show is recorded live and errors may happen. For corrections, please visit dakotatownhall.com. Hosted by Noah Grable, Jake Schoenbeck, and Brad Murdoch-Jurgensen. Dakota Town Hall, another Home Slice audio production.